Hello, and welcome to the Walk Around Podcast. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much for joining us. Our goal on the Walk Around is to share the insights, skills, processes, and leadership principles that are influencing the retail automotive landscape today. I am one of your hosts, Mark Spoto, joined always by Elliot Shore. Hello, hello. And our guest today is Bob Lanham. You know, Bob started his career selling cars at a Toyota dealership in the Southeast. He has risen through the ranks of the dealership world, eventually taking a position as a sales director at Hulu, which led him to his current role as the head of automotive retail at Meta, formerly Facebook. You know, Bob brought so much insight to us, Elliot. It was great to hear from him, especially the importance of customer experience when buying a vehicle. Yeah, I think Bob had some really great insights to share on loyalty, customer experience, and the role that the dealer plays in not just brand loyalty, but dealer loyalty as well. Some really great stuff. Absolutely. He has worked so closely with dealer groups, manufacturers, franchise dealers. So there is something to take away from this conversation. Let's get to it. Let's take a walk around with Bob Lanham. Well, it is great to have Bob Lanham back with us on the Walk Around Podcast. Welcome back, Bob. Oh, hey, guys, it is awesome to be here. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's it's great to see you. We uh, Mark and I were talking about your previous podcast. It's funny, it's been about a year, almost to the date that we had you on. And, you know, just to open it right up, you know, it was funny. We were kind of getting a chuckle uh, what you guys were talking about a year ago, which was Clubhouse and uh, and media mix modeling. But uh, but curious, just right off the bat, you know, years gone by. What have you what have you been up to, Bob? Man, a, a lot like you all have. But, uh, you know, listen, as I talked about in the last podcast, you know, I have an affinity to, to the JM&A family or, or the JM&F family. So uh, I do get really excited when I get out, you know, when you guys invited me back on the podcast. So uh, very, very appreciative. You know, my affinity is is uh, my introduction to auto retail was at an SET store. So, you know, what have I been up to? Well, you guys might not have known this, but I introduced the concept of marketing mix modeling to the industry via your podcast. And (laughs) I don't know if you knew this, but you know, like you have to try it somewhere, right. To start to figure out what your story is and how you're going to pronounce it. And I'll be honest, like, I was like, Holy cow, I actually did a pretty good job on that podcast. And I've also listened to it myself a couple of times and I forwarded it, forwarded out a number of times for people to, to look at it or to listen to it. Uh, you know, marketing mix modeling has just accelerated hmm. because of the world we live in, which is um, iOS 14 has blocked, right, tracking mobile. Android followed suit with what uh, iOS 14 has done. You know, there's now iOS 15, which now shows all email blasts that everything's been opened even though that's not, you know, that's not the case. You got three of the top four website browsers who are automatically blocking third-party cookies, right? So my my point is in the marketing world or the digital marketing world, our data has been diminished Hmm. uh, or or it's been completely lost. Our data internally is modeled. Google's data is modeled. We all have to now model our data because the real cookie data or the mobile ID tracking data is gone. So, uh, you know, the first part has been the marketing mix modeling story has gotten stronger. And it's been a lot of fun to see more and more dealers posting about their model, 
or yeah. their mix. And right. they're starting to use those terms where they haven't before. And guys, just to be clear, and then, then I'll be quiet. This isn't a meta thing. This isn't a Facebook strategy. There, there's no sale to this. Right, it's right. just purely measurement. Like to get real measurement, we have to understand our holistic view of everything we're buying. And, you know, the second thing I've been really focused on last year, I, I asked our research team two questions. I said, you know, I would love to understand the role the dealer plays in brand loyalty, hmm. right? They're the end sale. They're the last touch point. What role do they play? And then on, on the other side, what, what is dealer loyalty? And I know there's a lot of companies that measure that, but we also were able to measure it. So um, I know we're going to talk about the loyalty. loyalty. Yeah, we want to we want to dive into the brand and dealer loyalty uh, research that you have commissioned. Before we do, I'm curious, you know, the environment that we're in now, some dealers may be sitting back and thinking, I don't even really have to advertise all that much, let alone have an awareness of my model mix. So I'm curious, what are you seeing in terms of dealer sentiment when it comes to their advertising and what they're looking at, given the environment we're in now? Probably the number one question I've been asked in the last year plus, because it's all over the board. And I know you all talk to dealers, right? You have your own, you, you know, your own set of dealers that your uh, staff calls on. Listen, there are dealers that have cut their spending by two thirds or 75. And then there are dealers who have actually increased their spending because they understand how media works. Right. And hey, I've got to build for the long term and I'll double down now when my competitor pulls back. So when we normalize, whatever that means, right, I'm top of mind, right? If, if anyone that's listening, if you ever want to research sort of how brands get through a recession or an economic downturn, just go research it because mm. it's advertising always plays a role. Those who have the strongest brands right. always come out of economic or recession stronger because they're able to advertise through it. So um, to answer your question, those who have doubled down have doubled down on their brand, right. why you should buy from me versus the other, maybe same brand stores around me, or or maybe even you know the non-same brand stores around me. Hey, we'll buy your car without selling you a car. Right. Public didn't know that, right? Like I think we all would agree the public had no idea that a dealer would just buy a car without selling me a car. We use the word trade-in, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Which I think we need to not use the word trade-in. Correct. Yeah. Right? Trade-in assumes we're going to trade it in for something else, right? You know, it's interesting that you say that. I, I had caught my eye on TV the other day. Uh, we're here local in South Florida and, you know, AutoNation kind of has the market on Mercedes in South Florida. And it was a AutoNation ad for all their Mercedes stores, but it didn't advertise a single vehicle. It was all hey, just so you know, we can buy your car. You can sell us your car. Come to any of our Mercedes-Benz locations in South Florida. I thought it, it definitely caught my eye. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a large dealer group for a specific brand only advertise trade. They're starting to realize, you know, that's also the experience side of working with that dealership, right? If they have a good buy center set up or at least a good process to handle a, a potential a seller, that could potentially become a buyer, right? Like, right. hey, look, I'm here to here to simply buy your car. However, are you replacing it? Did you already buy a car? Is there anything we could, you know, we could help you with? So 
listen, like cars are, you have the stats on your own brand, right? Like cars are pre-sold before the tires hit the pavement right from the truck. Yep. So the mindset is, oh, well, they're pre-sold. I don't, I don't need to advertise them. But again, it's a long game. Like, why did that person deal with you? And, and when we get into the research, this is a major mind shift uh, uh, change or a major uh, mindset shift that those that have been in the store for 20 plus years, right. maybe work their way up the ranks, they're not going to get at first. They're, they're going to fight it, fight it, fight it, which is consumers as a whole, and we can break it down by a generation, consumers as a whole care more about the experience of buying a car versus the cost or the price of the car. But what do we, what have we historically been advertising? Price, price, price. Price and more price. So Bob, that's a perfect transition because one of my first questions um, in hearing the research that you've been doing is, what is important to buyers right now? The process, the buying process, the experience, it really is, right? Buyers, I, I just got off a clubhouse room. I, I joined it every Friday and dealer loyalty was actually brought up. I, I didn't bring it up. Brand and dealer loyalty were brought up because cars.com has a new study that says 65% of uh, auto buyers are not happy with the experience. Now, their angle was a little bit different. They were actually focused on, hey, M you know, above MSRP pricing is really frustrating. The car is not available. Right. I have to wait too long. So that doesn't go into sort of the, the other side of it, but it, it reinforces it's about the experience, it's about the process. It got into communication, right? So, you know, to, to, to answer your question, right? I think it's, I think the one word we could use is transparency, hmm. right? It's probably the best word, which is not something I created, not something you created. I think we've all, it's been around, but it's the experience of the buy. I'm a storyteller because I'm a student of the game. So let, let me tell you, um, the Auto News interviewed David DeBoer, CEO of Lithia, uh, last year. It's a great, 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 great article. And he was very open about his business plan. Okay. And, and, and three stats popped out that I were just like blown away. The first stat was 98% of people who bought through driveway.com, their online national, right? Buying mm -hmm. process. 98% of people were new to Lithia. Hmm. What a way to capture new customers. They were new to the, to the Lithia, to, to the family. The second one was, what do you think the average distance was? The average distance that a driveway.com truck delivered a vehicle. Oh man, I have no idea. I'd say uh, 50 miles. I was going to go less, but maybe 10. 960. Wow. Wow. So on this clubhouse call an hour ago, same thing. There's research out there that people are now willing. The NAD has always stated people are 85% of people are willing to drive over 30 miles to buy a car. Yeah. Over. Okay. 30 mile. Okay. That could be 35. That could be. I think people are just at this point now where when they start to research experience, they just, it's the second largest purchase. Like yeah, buyer's man. remorse is stronger with a car, probably even more stronger than, than, for your car than your home. Right. Because yeah, like, yeah. that's a, such a major person. Like if you have buyer's remorse, you are getting out of it for, for a long time. And the third stat was they want to have a dealership within a hundred miles of every single car buyer in the lower 48. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's, uh, I know the, you uh, you know, the interview you're referencing and, you know, I think it's fascinating. I, you know, in terms of the fact that, um, you know, bringing new customers into your fold and how do you do that? Right. And from a media mix perspective, you know, going back to that for a second, you know, how do you connect loyalty to your media? Right. Like connecting the dots between the loyalty study and media mix modeling, is it all about the process or is there a media play here? That's my favorite question. Thank you for that. Because, because that sets the correlation between dealer loyalty or indoor the experience, the in-store process, or even the online process and marketing, which is probably, it, it probably shouldn't be, but for mm-hmm. most is the first touch point for a dealership or a first introduction or reintroduction, right? Because if the, if the life of the ownership is three to five years or six years, whatever, whatever, you're kind of being re- reintroduced to the, to the store, right? Sure. Like, oh yeah, I did buy it from Toyota Sarasota, but there are five of them around, you know, around me. Should I, should I consider the other one? So for me, it's the, it's the correlation of that first touch point, hmm. which is marketing that starts the process. Okay. So I know I, I mentioned this all the time. And actually when I, when it comes in my head, I'm always like, man, I, I talk about this all the time, but it, it's the perfect analogy, which is marketing is similar to the meet and greet process in store, right? They say the best closers are better openers because that introduction, that first interaction with a person is what is most remembered and builds that trust or non-trust for the next however long, right? Process. So your marketing builds that uh, trust or non-trust right from the start. So um, what I would love to start to work on uh, in full disclosure is what are we marketing, right? We're going to always market our inventory. I'm not saying we're not going to get away from our inventory advert, but that's an easy, you just set that, set it and let it like, that's all automated. It's all dynamic. So then what becomes the most important advertising for a dealership? In my opinion, it's the brand. Sure. It's the process. It's the, it's the story. It's the why buy. So I hope that answered your question, but it's that yeah. first touch point. Yeah, well, I, I think it's interesting. And getting back to loyalty for a second, I'm going to throw something a, a little different at you. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of manufacturers trying to take the transaction a little more upstream in you know, you could pick your brand, right? It, it, you, you see it in every, almost every brand and, and almost they're using electric vehicles as a, you know, it's kind of, a, you know, it's an interesting dynamic where it's just the propulsion system that's different, yet the, the manufacturer is taking this as an opportunity to change the entire way that a customer buys a vehicle. And so, you know, thinking about the way where the manufacturer is going in terms of taking the transaction a little more up funnel, how do you, as a dealer now with your advertising, right? Does it make that branding that you're talking about of the dealership that much more important? Or I could see the opposite as well, meaning it makes it less important because the reality is you become more of sort of a fulfillment center and focus more on your experience to your point earlier. So I guess, you know, how do you see dealers playing in this world going forward where manufacturers are moving a little more upstream in the transaction? What a great controversial topic, I guess you could say, right? It's that, <laughs> it's that church and state, we, which is no, no, no. We hit the I hard stuff here. At the, at the I have a franchise no agreement. I sell the car. You guys don't do that. I buy them. I sell them how I want. 
Right. Okay. Let's let, you know, let's, let's put ourselves in the OEM shoes, right? Sure. Uh, a dealer loyalty is at essentially an all time low or pr pretty darn close to it. And brand loyalty isn't that much better. It's about 20 percentage points better. Right. Mm -hmm. So as a brand, you're saying, okay, I don't really care maybe where they buy, as long as they stay within my brand, I'm good. Except for the fact that we're learning that 80% of people who, who say they are, brand loyal are brand loyal because of the sales experience hmm. and that comes and that comes from the dealer right wow. so wait i want to i want to stop there for a second i'm i'm sorry for interrupting because that's a powerful stat right what you said 80 percent of the of brand, people who say yeah. they are loyal to a brand are loyal to that brand because of the sales experience that they that they had and where is that sales experience for the most part today that's a fascinating that's stat. Fascinating. That really is. I mean, so if you're if you're an OEM, like you said, that's what you're like. See, that's why I have to own it from top to bottom, and I have to have it with my brand, and I have to have it the way I want to do it because I want to make sure I maintain brand loyalty. Then you're on the dealer side, and imagine owning five stores, ten stores. Imagine owning two stores, and you have a family brand or you have a corporate brand, right? Right. You talked about Auto Nation; they advertise across a single market, right, right. as a whole. So it gets complicated with, with the structure. So, so Bob, let's, let's think about if you're a dealer and you hear that stat and how important process is and your brand uh, is to the loyalty of your customers, where do you get started from that standpoint if you're not already doing it like some of these other dealer groups and these other dealers we're talking about? So there's a couple ways. One I live in and one I don't. So I'll, I'll be speaking a little out of turn on the one I don't, um, but I'll speak at a high level for us to maybe uh, talk about, or frankly, for you to maybe have a, a guest that lives in this world, but is our CSI scores really real? Hmm. Hmm. Like, I, I don't think they are. I, I, I don't, I mean, listen, I was trained to essentially beg and plead with, with the buyer, like, I get paid on this, like my livelihood, can you just give me a five, which is highly satisfied, and I'd really appreciate it, like, can you go to Dealerator and give me, like, listen, like, how accurate, how, well, it's funny you say that, I'll just a quick story, and I know you'll get back to the CSI in a second, but there's a, there's a dealer, um, you know, the, the late, great Mark Jacobson, and I remember uh, once a, a meeting with him, and we were talking about CSI, and we were going over the, the form that people fill out, and the scale was, you know, not exceptional, exceptional, truly exceptional, and he said something that stayed with me forever, and he, he said, I've never been truly exceptional at anything in my life, <laughs> yet I'm asking every one of my sales associates and my customers to say that I'm truly exceptional in every category of the buying experience. So anyway, I, I think it's funny. It goes back to your question of is CSI real? But yes, keep going on that. You CSI. nailed it. We ask the questions to force essentially the answer we want to receive. So right. I, I think, you know, and listen, this is takes this 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 unsilos. Maybe OEMs, this unsilos distributors, this unsilos like everything, right? For sure. Um, I just think we need to evaluate CSI to get true. Listen, we now live in a world where you have stores that are going to one one point of contact. Right. You have some stores that are going to one price, one point of contact. You still have stores the old school way. So I think we have some really good A B A B C testing we could we we could look at in terms of. How does the experience play a role in, in brand loyalty and loyalty? So CSI scoring is something that, 
Um, listen, if I ever had the opportunity to go work at a manufacturer um, that in a tier three capacity, I would put that and marketing in the same group. Like mm-hmm. they, they would be in the same exact group and they would, because you have to then align marketing to garner those CSI scores. So, uh, you know, one of the, so now I'll flip to the other side, which is the marketing side of it, which I would love to work with manufacturers on, Hey, what are we allowing our franchisees to advert? What are we allowing them to to co-op or or reimburse? Because what we've historically forced down is vehicle and price, vehicle and price, because price sells the car. I just got to move. I want to sell you more cars and you want to, you want to sell more. But if experience, right, is what drives both brand loyalty and dealer loyalty, should we be more focused on co-oping dealer brand-based ads? Right. It's a good question, you know, because I think a lot of the covenants that are out there at the manufacturer level are extremely focused on what's the lowest price you can advertise. It is all about price. There is no sort of guidelines. And it's not even like there's no advice on brand and, you know, the experience. It's, It's literally you can't advertise below X price. And the message, and you know, it's funny because it's a subtle message in there, right? The subtle message is you should be advertising price, right? And I'm going to show you the parameters around which you should be advertising price. And that's the kind of, and and I think what you're saying is we should be working with the, you know, the manufacturers should be working with the dealers to understand prices is not the way to, to differentiate yourself. It's not the lead. It's not the lead. You have to have, you have to have your VIN, your, your, your vehicle specific, your inventory specific. Of course they have costs, price to it. But I would love to get to more real costs. But let me give you an example of an ad I just saw two days ago that just made me sit there like, oh my gosh. And it, it was a TV ad that was repurposed on, on a digital ad, right? So it's your typical 30 second spot. And this was one of your typical ads. And I, I don't believe it was a regional ad or a tier two ad as we call it in the industry, but it was a 20 second, your typical 20 seconds about the brand, 10 seconds about the price, right? We call it the tag or the bumper. Yep. And it doesn't matter the OEM, right? Right. Well, the OEM is present. This is a premium brand and the shots are beautiful. And you're like, oh my gosh, this thing is the nicest vehicle I've ever seen. Premium must have said, have been said 15 times in the first 20 seconds. <laughs> what do you think that last 10 seconds said? And for a quick low price of four ninety five, so then I just said to myself, that is hysterical because we now just a devalued premium, right? And we just said that car, that that vehicle is only as good as the price. Exactly. So, Bob, what is a better tag? For, so, if you're a dealer now and you're hearing this and you're you're starting to to recognize the importance of experience. Where can they get that guidance from? Where what's a better tag on an ad like that? This is what I this is what I would say. If I was standing um, next to a dealer principal, okay, whether their name's on the building or not, it doesn't matter. And if your name's on the building, it's actually more important, right? Okay, I'd say, hey, in fifteen seconds, can you tell me why I should spend eighty five thousand dollars on a car with you? 65. It doesn't matter what the cost point. I mean, there it's expensive. Cars are expensive for everybody at every price point. Yeah. Over 45,000. Now the average new car transaction price just got up to it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I would literally say, look, there are five stores that sell the exact same vehicles that you offer. Tell me why I should buy it from you. Hmm. That's if they, question. Do you if think they can't dealers, answer it. Yeah. Do you think most dealers would be able to answer that question? No, no. 
And being family owned isn't a value proposition. Anymore. Right. Or being a uh, hundred years in the community or being the largest, right? You hear that a lot. We're the largest. Yeah. Um, which just basically means in everybody's eyes, well, then you should be able to sell it to me at the lowest price. Correct. I should have to haggle should already be at the lowest price. Now you brought up the word community, which I think is, is really important because, you know, community involvement, you know, if we start to break down the generation mindsets and this is in our research. Okay. The older the generation, so boomers, okay, they value price as the number one reason why they buy from a dealer. Why? That's all we've ever trained them to That's value. Right. They, they know nothing more. I was at Toyota of Sarasota when I believe Toyota USA did research, right? This is when Saturn came out, right? Should we go to one price? Right. They looked at in the 90s, should we go to one price? And at the time, the answer was no, because the consumer feels that they that, that they can only get a good deal is, is if they negotiate. Hmm. That's the boomer generation. Right. They've become here. They're now just a portion of car buyers. The largest portion now is millennials. Right. Average, oldest millennials, 42. Okay. Well, they value experience much more. Customer service is their number one reason. Hmm. Okay. Then you go down to Gen Z. Anyone want to guess what the oldest Gen Z is? Shush. Probably Gosh. what, 28, maybe? Close, 25. Toyota buyer, mm-hmm. right? Probably a Toyota buyer. And, and you've got four years worth, give or take, maybe five years worth of a buyer in there, right? Yep. 20 to 20. They so- even care more about customer service. Why? Well, Gen Z is the first generation that 100% grew up with this. Right. They were born and and, and the mom and dad stuck a plastic uh, toy cell phone in uh, in their hand. Mm -hmm. So they only assume every business, you can do a one-click, two-day delivery of the product. (laughs) (laughs) Right. For sure. It's, It's actually kind of funny when you see kids that are eight or nine or something walk up to a screen and just start trying to touch it. And they think it's because they think every screen is a touch screen, you know, that that can move around. But yeah, no, your, your point is well made. It, it's generationally the gaps and differences between these generations are enormous. And it's led by that technology um, that, that the generations have grown up with, whereas, you know, millennials essentially have grown up through. They remember both ways. Right. The old way they remember when we didn't have phones and now they have iPhones and the, the younger generation will only know, you know, Amazon Prime and and those yeah, guys of like experiences. Our biggest initiative at Meta as a whole is to be able to deliver an ad. What we call discovery to allow the, the our user to discover a product or service. Either click and buy right within that experience. Okay. Obviously, the, the, the product owner still owns that experience, but that experience gets pushed to the forefront. Like, I don't have to actually go to that website to click and buy. That buying process can be brought here. And or I'll give you a little, a little tidbit. One of our fastest growing ad units, most widely used by marketers. You want to guess? Send a message. Hmm. Hmm. Why? Because they instantly, if someone's that passionate to click, to want to talk to someone on that business, they're going to be sold. So, and if so you handle chat, that process. So chat continues to grow as a channel. First of all, it, it is one of our core 
pillars, we call it, which is business messaging. So we have a huge focus on it because when done correctly, well, let's talk about the best sources of leads, okay, in the auto space. You ready? Digital retailing has surpassed as number one now. If, yep. you can, if you can jump someone into the digital retailing process, it is the best closing, best quality lead. Why? It's penny perfect payments. Right. It's real payments. I have to submit a soft poll. I have to give my... My social now I'm getting real payments that aren't going to change when yeah. I get into the store. Yep. Second, messaging. Third, phone. Fourth, form lead. You're starting to see a trend in, in Weiler Automotive. If you know Kevin Fry, I don't know if you've had him on the show or not in the past. About three years ago, he's seeing this. Kevin Fry has been in the business 25, 26, uh, uh, flew stealth fighters in the Gulf War. You want to talk about a badass? Kevin Fry. <laughs> Three years ago says, I'm removing forms from our dealership websites. It's, it's a bad experience. Like It, 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 it is. Our it process is. stinks in the back end. So he replaced it with the only way to communicate with our, with our dealership is phone, message, or chat, whatever you want to call it, text. So it's banners all over the place and their ROI. He's given presentations at digital dealer. He's really open with it through the roof. Huh? 14,000% wow. when he removed his forms. Fascinating. So Bob, I want to go back to just really quickly as we wind down our conversation here and you've given us so many great insights for dealers to think about, but what is something a dealer tomorrow can start to do differently or at least start to have the conversation with their team on how they can capitalize and utilize some of this data and this research you've shown us. Flip your marketing strategy. If you're not spending more, okay, on the why buy, on the brand, if you're not spending more there than you are on a lead generation, here's a stat, okay? Comes from JD Power, brand assessment study. One of the best studies I've ever seen. They've had it for nine, 10 years. Yep. There are OEMs out there that have a less than a 50% retention rate. Every two buyers, one's gone. Okay. Hmm. I guarantee you every one of those dealerships under that OEM has plenty of leads, plenty of VDP views every month. Right. Mm -hmm. Plenty. Right. Yep. That shouldn't be the measurement then because yeah. you're losing, you're losing one out of every two buyers. So my, my point is their, their mindset needs to switch from transactional 30-day transactional to long-term value or LTV, we call it, right? Got like, it. how do I, and that's by, and we've all telling you, the experience of buying the car, the experience of the post. You guys want to know what the number one reason post sale, what, what the number one request from a buyer was during the study, which the study goes really deep. If you ever want to, when we're ready to launch it, if you want to have us back on, we'd love to, we'd love to do it. But Absolutely. the number one piece of communication that the buyer wanted after they bought from a dealer, you want to guess what it was? I'm going to say a thank you. A thank you. I was going to say you, the same a thing. A personal thank you note, not a templated email. <laughs> right. Personal. Right. Personal. For sure. I just spent $45,000. Right. In your store. And it, guys, yeah. I sent my dog to, a, uh, I don't know, I used to call him a kennel. I don't know. They're probably called, you know, resorts nowadays yeah. for, for <laughs> seven, eight days because we went, on, we went on vacation. <laughs> I literally, here it is on that line. Here's the thank you note. Right. It's personal time. Guys, I spent $419 with them. Right. And, and how will that thank you note influence you in returning and your loyalty to that 
to that lodge, that pet motel. I just bought a daycare package from them for right. $300. There you go. <laughs> and my dog for a few hours every day. It's pretty good ROI on that thank you note, I, I would say. I, there's not a place I wouldn't consider because I, by the way, they have webcams all over in every room. So at any moment, if I want to just open up the app and see how my dog is doing, like very full transparent, they're open, they write dogs' names. So I guess my point is, you know, it's it's the car is no longer the star. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. The price, the, 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 the brand will handle why someone should buy a specific brand or make. For sure. The dealer needs to focus on why you should buy it for me. And then more importantly, why you should get all your service from me. Absolutely. Because if I can get you in for service, I'm going to resell you a car. So, Bob, it's time now to transition to one of the fastest growing podcast segments in America. <sighs> I don't have no data to support that. Before we do that. Oh, you want to do something else? I just had one more question. Oh, yeah, one more Bob. question. Again, we're talking to Bob Lanham here, head of automotive retail at Meta, aka Facebook. And um, um, I got to ask, I, you know, before we dive into that, you know, all I see these days is Mark Zuckerberg with those Oculus goggles on his eyes and talking about the Meta. There you go. There they are <laughs> there right there. Standard issued gear for any Meta associate. I, and I, I think I read that actually, but the um, I'm curious. And and before we dive into it's a sure thing, if you're a dealer today, should you be buying real estate in the meta universe and starting to get your processes down for the meta world? Listen, I think you don't have to commit financially. Let Brian Kramer do that now, and let <laughs> he's very open with. And we with love Brian. We love Brian's Brian. a big friend. Who doesn't, man? I mean, I, I, I listen. I'm learning what the metaverse and auto retail could and should and, and might look like from from Brian. You know, he's doing it because Brian is by far the best student of the game. Right? He he buys stock in in the public in his publicly traded competitors simply so he can join the earning call simply so he can learn what the strategies are and, and, and try to combat that. So listen, I'm not here to say you should be buying or financially committing, but you should be 100% following and you should at some point soon start to experiment, right? Because again, you have this generation yep. that this is all they're going to know, mm -hmm. right? right? They're going to expect to be able to say, hey, before I walk into the store, I want to virtually communicate with someone over there and, and, and maybe I have some questions and so on and so forth. So again, the metaverse is years away. I okay. think it's going to be here faster than we anticipated, but it's years away. Partners will build for it, yep. right? So we need to make sure the right partners are there. But to fully answer your question, you don't have to commit financially, yep. but you 100% should be following what is going on with virtual reality, augmented reality, and then more so the metaverse. Awesome. That's a great answer. Great advice for dealers, because I know you can't avoid it on uh, pretty much anywhere seeing uh, people, you know, with the Oculus glasses on. You know, obviously, there's some funny YouTube videos out there with them, you know, if you want to check those out. Yeah, but um, <laughs> obviously, be careful out there, people. But yeah, it was, uh, that's a great answer. Thank you for that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. We're going to do a I'm short nervous, thing. by the way, for this last segment. Yes, you're going to be, you're <laughs> yes, going to be I'm on the hot seat. Sweating. I'm sweating. You are on the hot seat. Our, our Elliot Shore here has a few hot takes. As you can probably tell, Elliot has a lot of opinions, and we want to share those opinions. Love but it. we want to we want to validate them and, and ask our guests, is it a sure thing or not a sure thing? 
So Elliot, let's fire away. All right. You ready, Bob? I, I have an earpiece with our with our PR team and legal consultant. Perfect. <laughs> One <in each> year. <laughs> I don't think we'll get you in trouble. So, you know, it's no secret that dealers have uh, scaled back somewhat their advertising. And I think we talked about it earlier. Um, but, you know, dealer advertising budgets, according to some of the research I've seen, were never higher prior to the pandemic in 2019. And um, I believe it's a sure thing that dealer advertising budgets will never, ever reach the levels they were in 2019. Sure thing or not a sure thing? Should be a sure thing. They don't need to. And tell me more. Tell me more about that. Here's the I, I get asked this all the time. What, what did we learn the last two years? With, with a dealer's second largest expense, payroll, advertising, and marketing floor plan, right? Historically, right? Yep. Maybe they switched with the When dealers were forced to evaluate their advertising and marketing expenditure because it, because it was a large sum of money, what they learned was they were overspending in some platforms, underspending in others. They, they learned the power of organic. They, they learned the power of just a lot of different ways to market themselves because they had to. Some states closed stores, right? Weren't allowed to open. Some states, you were appointment only. They were forced to just like, holy cow, we got to blow everything up and start all over. And long story long, dealers are spending too much money to begin with. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I think the whole industry is spending maybe a little bit too much money than, than we need to spend. I'll just, you know, I know it long-winded, uh, yeah. sure or not sure, but like, has anybody ever said, let's aggregate how much money we spend nationally, how much money we spend regionally, and then how much our dealer body spends, and then dividing it by the sales? Yep. Right. What, no. I don't, I don't know the number. $10,000 per car sold, $5,000. It wouldn't be pretty. It wouldn't be a pretty number. So no that's doubt. my point. Does it really cost that? So yeah. what I always say to dealers, what you buy and how you buy your media or your second largest expenditure, 100% defines your profitability. You can't deny it. So yeah. it should be a sure thing. All right, All right. One, one for one. All Not right. Bad. Good better, start. Better than last time. <laughs> better than last time. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, go on to the second question here. Sure thing or not a sure thing? Cars will be sold in the meta universe by the end of 2025. Sure thing. Sure of thing. Of course Bob's going to say that. <laughs> so, so, you know, we just talked about it a little bit. So clearly... You know, it's a short-term horizon here. If dealers aren't paying attention to the meta meta universe, they're gonna they're gonna miss it. Listen, um, you know, again, we talked about Brian earlier. Uh, uh, he has brought up and it is, he given a presentation. He has watched manufacturers open up dealerships for a limited amount of time and then close them, give them NFTs if you purchase. Like, there's a game yeah. now around this. So, uh, sure thing, and I, probably before 2025. Oh, all right. Two for two. I, I could have gone more aggressive. Well, right. And if you were to ask Brian that question, he's like, I already did it. It's, no. it's 2021. Like, That's right. Or That's 2022. Right. All right. Can you bet a thousand today? We'll with see. Three for three. Let's see. We'll see. This is a tough one, but um, all right. I believe it's a sure thing that in the next 12 months, Elon Musk will ban himself from Twitter. Sure thing or not a sure thing? I think anything related to Elon Musk, you can't go in one direction or the other because like that guy will do whatever he wants, when he wants, how he wants, apparently. I do not believe that's a sure thing. I think he will maintain his presence on Twitter and, and other. You know, if if the deeper question, not that you're asking the deeper question yeah. is, you know, what 
Good thing, bad thing that he bought it. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I think it's going to be both. I think he's going to bring some functionality or at least some need for functionality, some openness some transparency to social media um, that maybe should be, should have been there, a, you know, a, a while ago or should be sure. there now. So I got, I got asked a hundred texts. Oh my gosh. What do you think about it? You know, Elon Musk buying Twitter. What do you want? Right. I actually think it, it's, it's definitely not a, I don't think it's like a hor horrible thing. I can't tell you if it's a great thing. I think it's going to be right there in the middle. Mark, what so kind of, is there a middle between yeah. sure and not sure? No, I, that's or, not the game. Or, or? <laughs> I think the bottom line is he wants to challenge the, the market and challenge the well. environment. And he just wants to be in the conversation. And he achieved that for sure. No doubt. So, Bob, we cannot thank you enough for yes. coming back uh, to joining us. Always on the a podcast. pleasure. You, again, in super insightful commentary and research. We would love to hear about that research again when you're ready to release it. And Bob, if you could tell tell our audience where we can where they can they find that research, that loyalty study we were talking about, if they yeah, wanted sure. to find it. Yeah, for sure. We haven't launched it yet. Okay. Um, I mean, it is vast, man. I mean, it is it, when you start to break down by generation, it gets super interesting, right? Like we got to stop looking at stuff as a whole because boomers are extremely different than Gen Z, right? And millennials are split, right? So we sure. have to start looking, and there's a lot of great, so uh, there, there's a person on, on our team, uh, Rita Proctor, who has been digging through it through and through. So, you know, we, we will announce it, like it, it, it will be announced, okay. it will be presented. So it, it, hopefully people, you know, at the very least, not that this is a ploy, follow me on LinkedIn, you'll know when I launch it at the very least. All right, Sounds great. great. Sounds awesome. Bob, again, thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining us. Thank Anytime, you. Guys. Appreciate Take you care. all. Whether you're a dealer owner, general manager in sales or service, or just starting your automotive journey, you're sure to pick up some actionable insight from the Walk Around Podcast powered by JM&A Group. Be sure to keep listening, keep up with the leaders who are influencing the automotive landscape today. We really appreciate you joining us today. If you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or whatever platform you're listening to. Go ahead and check out jmnagroup.com slash resources. We have a ton of helpful free resources for everyone out there. I'm Elliot Shore. You can find me on LinkedIn at uh, Elliot Shore, S-C-H-O-R. And in the words of the great Dennis Morton, be good out there, but if you can't be good, be careful.